1: the Lord has answered my prayer I was praying fervently that we would have an uplifting service here today for all the Seminole fans who made it through yesterday we needed an uplifting service today didn't we hmm That's just mean, brother. (laughs) I don't want to hear anything out of you Gator fans. (laughs) I tell you, go ahead. Pride goes before the fall. Mm. (laughs) Amen. Well, I'll tell you what. So we can get all this uh, nonsense out of the way. I'd like for the men to join me at the altar. We'll bow here and pray. And ask God to focus our attention on heavenly, eternal things. Just come and find you a place here close to the front. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. One of the things I love about this church is the number of men who have chosen to follow unashamedly the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank God for all of our families, the women and children, everybody, but boy, when God sets men on fire, something happens. Father, we humbly bow before you. We acknowledge, Lord, that you are worthy of it all. That you created it all, and it all belongs to you. We acknowledge that we are your sheep and the sheep of your pasture. Father, we acknowledge that we are in desperate need today of what you and only you can do, what you can give us. We pray, Father, in Jesus' name, we come in agreement now that you would take full charge of this service. The Holy Spirit would move in this place. The glory of God is what we pray for. We've seen man's glory. We've seen the best that men can do. And... And that's not enough. Our hearts were left hungry. Oh, Lord, touch your people today. Touch this church. Open the heavens above us. Pour out your Holy Spirit. Move in this place. Be glorified. Be magnified. Lord Jesus, be lifted up in this place. We surrender now to the leadership and the ministry and the person of the Holy Spirit. Father, we would pray specifically right now. That if there are those in our congregation who are hurting, who are broken, who are depressed, discouraged, that Lord, and, and, and even though we tease about things like ball games, we know those aren't the important things, but we do know some people are hurting and do need to be lifted up. We pray for them. Bless them, Lord. Raise them up. Strengthen them. May they walk out of this service today empowered and anointed by the presence of God. Father, we pray if marriages are struggling, that this will be a time of healing. We, we pray, Father, if there are strongholds and addictions, that they will be broken. We pray, Father, most of all, that if there is someone in our midst, Lord, who does not know the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that this day will be a salvation, a day of salvation, another soul will be saved. So, Father, we're asking for your healing, saving, renewing, reviving power and spirit to be upon this service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You may return to your seats. Hallelujah. As you're returning to your seats, I want to let you know that we have been in a study of the book of James and we will return to that book. uh, Not this week, not next week, but the next week after baptism, we'll return and uh, complete our study in the book of James. But today the Lord has put a special message on my heart um, that I want to share with you. And this message... uh, started developing in my heart after I'd had a dream. And I want to share that dream with you. I had a dream that I could see a storm approaching. You know how dreams are. uh, uh, Things don't always quite make sense. But I could see this storm, and it was approaching from a great way off. And I could see it clearly. And I could tell that it was like a tornado or whirlwind except much, much bigger, and it was very defined. It had uh, almost like walls on each side, and that storm was coming our way. It was coming right toward where I was, and I realized as I watched the storm, and there was no talking in this dream, I realized, and others around me Realized that if we ran to the right or to the left, we could get out of the path of the storm. And it was one of those storms where it was so defined you were either in the storm or out of the storm. And so that's exactly what I did. I ran to the right. Many others did the same thing. And we were running from the storm and fleeing from the storm. And then finally when we realized that we were outside of the path of the storm, we stopped. We were at a place of safety. And I looked back. We all did. We were standing on, as it were, a hill, and we looked back to see the devastation of that storm coming through. And when I turned around and I looked back, I saw one of the most awful things I've ever seen in my life. I saw multitudes of people being destroyed. I saw the storm and the devastation and the death. And it was so horrible what was happening to the people who were in the pathway of that storm that I, it was almost like we were commanded to do so, that I and the others around me, we got down on our knees and on our faces and we covered our faces so that we could not see the horrible destruction that was going on Right in front of us. My heart was pounding. I I knew I was out of the storm. But I was still frightened. Beyond words. It was at that moment. That I woke up. Wide awake in the middle of the night. And I prayed a little prayer. And I encourage you to pray this prayer. I prayed this prayer. I said Lord. Was that a spiritual. Dream. And when I prayed that prayer, the Holy Spirit spoke to me clearly. And this is what the Holy Spirit said to me. No one warned them to flee from the wrath to come. That was all I heard. No one warned them to flee from the wrath to come. I could hardly believe the dream. I could hardly believe what the Spirit had spoken to me, and as you would imagine, it immediately thrust me into a search through my Bible to learn everything I could about the wrath of God and that expression, the wrath to come. I I know that's not something that we talk about a lot, but I knew in my heart that the Holy Spirit was sending me on a journey and telling me I needed to warn people of the wrath to come. You see, we have so focused on the love of God that we are now living in a generation that has no idea that God is also a God of wrath. We have encouraged people with the love of God, which by the way we should do and we should continue to do, to encourage them with the love of God, but we have failed to warn them that there is a day of wrath coming upon the world. I started my search through the Bible. I was amazed. I really don't have the time to share with you all that I found, but I found that in the Old Testament they were prophesying about a day of wrath that would come upon the world. The psalmist said, clouds of darkness surround Him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of His throne. A fire goes before him and burns up his enemies round about. His lightnings light the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax in the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. The psalmist saw that. That's what he wrote. Isaiah saw the wrath of God and he said, For the indignation of the Lord is against all nations, and His fury against all their armies. He shall utterly destroy them. He will give them over to the slaughter. Prophecy after prophecy in the Old Testament tells us of a day When Almighty God will step in on the scene, Almighty God will release His fire, His fury, His indignation, His wrath upon mankind. Jeremiah said, Behold, the whirlwind of the Lord goes forth with fury. A continuing whirlwind. It will fall violently on the head. Of the wicked. That's exactly what I saw in my dream. A whirlwind falling violently. On the heads. Of the wicked. The prophet Nehemiah saw the wrath of God. Prophetically. And this is how he described it. He rebuked the sea. And made it dry. He dries up all the rivers. The mountains quake before him. The hills melt. The earth heaves and convulses. At his presence. He pours out. His fury like fire on the whole earth. And the prophet Nahum was so taken back by what he saw, he asked this question. He said, who can stand before the indignation of the Lord? Who can endure the fierceness of His wrath? And the answer to that is, no one can. John, the disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ, the youngest of the disciples, in the book of Revelation, now an old man. You know the story if you've studied your Bible. John actually saw the wrath of God coming in Revelation 6.17. He says, For the great day of His wrath has come. It's been prophesied for thousands of years, but now it's here. For the great day of His wrath has come. And he says the same thing that the prophet Nahum says. And who is able to stand oh my brothers and sisters i tell you today that there is coming a day when the wrath of god when the anger of god when the judgment of god will fall upon this world and it will not be nice it will not be pretty it will not be something casual it will be the worst thing that has ever happened on planet earth No event in all of human history will compare to what will happen when that day of wrath comes. And for the life of me, I don't know why we quit telling the truth about it. I really don't. Were we afraid that if we tell people the truth that they won't like our God? Were we afraid it would tarnish His reputation? Have we cowered down to the political correctness of our day and decided to just preach the love of God and not say anything about His wrath and His anger? Is that what happened? I'll take some of you way back. There was a TV series back many years ago when my children were just real small. And it was about a doctor. His name was Dr. David Uh, Brainer, I think it was. Banner, David Banner, some of you know it. David was a scientist and his scientific research went awry. And uh, you can fill in all the blanks, but my favorite line in the whole thing, I watched it, when I watched it, it's the only thing I watched it for. He would say to somebody, he would say, don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I get angry. And he was right. Well, friends, I want to tell you. It's time for us to understand that like it or not, like God or not, you may or may not like what this Bible says about our God, but it says that there is coming a day when God will pour out His wrath upon this world and unimaginable fury and fire and indignation and wrath. It is coming and the Bible predicts it all the way through the Bible. It's here. It's here. And by the way, the New Testament writers spoke often of the wrath of God. Ephesians 5, 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words. What are empty words? Empty words are words that do not tell you the complete truth. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Romans 1, 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. John 3.36, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life. But what will they see? The wrath of God abides on him. Colossians 3.6, Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the Son's, of disobedience. Here's my favorite one, and if there's ever been a passage of Scripture that our modern day church needs, it's this one, and it's Romans 2, 4, and 5. It says, Or do you presume on the riches of His kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? Repentance. Now, let's just stop there. He's saying, are you presuming upon the riches of God's kindness and forgiveness and grace and mercy? Are you presuming upon that? Are you using that as an excuse to stay in your sin? Look at verse 5. But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourselves on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Wow. Wow. You're thinking right now, I wish I'd stayed home today. Right? Oh, I am going to tell you, friends, we, we need to get back to preaching not just some of the truth, but all of the truth, the whole truth, and all of the time. And yes, God is a loving God, but I want you to know He is a God of wrath, and His wrath is equal to His love. Oh, my friends, it is time for us to tell the truth. Let's tell the truth about our God. And if the world likes it, praise God. If they don't like it, praise God. Let's be true to who He is and what His Word says. We need to make up our minds. Is the Bible the Word of God? Is it the truth? And if it is, then let's unashamedly proclaim it and tell the truth. God is a God of wrath. And friends, according to the Bible... He's the one we should fear. All through the Bible, we're told that we're to fear God. I don't know what you're afraid of today. We have so many fears and anxieties and frustrations today. I don't know what you're afraid of today. But friends, I know what you and I should be afraid of. We should be afraid of the wrath of God. That's what we should be afraid of. We should tremble at the thought. I I went through my Bible and just made a short list. And this is a short list. There are many other things. But I started looking for the things that the Bible tells us not to be afraid of. I was blown away. Let me tell you what you're not to be afraid of. Don't be afraid of Satan. The Bible tells us don't fear Satan. Don't fear him. The Bible tells us not to fear demons. The Bible tells us not to fear the enemy. No matter who it is, the Bible teaches us not to fear death and dying. And, child of God, I want you to know that includes cancer and disease and all the sicknesses of this world. Don't fear death and dying. Don't fear those who can murder you and kill the body. Don't fear the sufferings you'll go through in this present world. And don't fear the reproach of men. By the way, that's the biblical way of saying don't worry about political correctness. Don't fear the reproach of men. In fact, it says don't fear men, period. Don't fear anything man can do to you. By the way, friends, that includes ISIS. That includes terrorism. That includes anything that any human being can do against you. Don't fear those things. We are not to fear those things. You see, if we fear those things, we have a misplaced fear. We're fearing things that have no eternal consequence. And according to the Bible, we are to fear God. He is to be our fear. We are to fear the wrath of God. We're to fear the judgment of God. We're to fear the, the burning fire. The furious burning fire of God. We are to fear. And I use that because that's what the Bible says over and over and over. We we are to fear the fact that He can punish us for all of eternity. With eternal destruction. You you see friends, according to the Bible, we're to fear the, the judge of all the earth. We're to fear the righteous judge before whom none of us can stand. On our own. The Bible says we're to fear Him. Uh, Isaiah 8, 12 and 13. I sure wish you'd mark this one in your Bible. It says, do not say a conspiracy concerning all that this people call a conspiracy. By the way, have you noticed that everything's a conspiracy? Man, everything's a conspiracy. Do not say a conspiracy concerning all this people call a conspiracy, nor be afraid of their threats. Don't be afraid of them, nor be troubled. The Lord of hosts, Him you shall hallow. Let Him be your fear, and let Him be your dread. That's pretty clear, isn't it? Don't fear the conspiracies of this world. You hallow Him. You let Him be your fear. You let Him be your dread. I tell you, as I have looked into this, And I had a dream, but when I woke up from that dream, I felt like the Lord was waking me up to the truth of His Scripture. And I want to tell you this, friends, we should be more afraid of God, we should have more fear of a holy God than we do anything else in this world. That's what we should fear. The devil's done a number on us, hasn't he? In this generation. We've got got an entire generation that lives in unbridled sin with no fear at all. They blaspheme God in almost every breath with no fear at all. Oh, may God help us. I just got back about a week ago from a hunt camp up in Kentucky where I spent about a week and no, I didn't kill anything. Uh, it was a sightseeing trip. Uh, that's not what I wanted, but that's what it was. Um, but I, I realized at this hunt camp that I've been isolated. That I'm a little bit naive. It's been a long, long time since I've been around worldly people. And there was about 40 guys at this hunt camp. And I realized shortly after I got there and I tried to stay away from it as much as I could, they could hardly finish a sentence without blaspheming God and using the most vulgar and ungodly language you you can imagine, it was horrible. I, I I did find an Amish couple and and a no I did. That's not a joke. <laughs> there was an Amish couple there, and I would go eat with this Amish couple. My son and I would eat with them, and and there was a lay preacher, and we would go eat with them to get away from the filth and the vulgarity. And, and in fact, by the way. Something very interesting. I'll just throw this in. I have all the contact information. This young Amish couple, I'm planning on bringing them down one day in the future. They said they would come and go to church with us and worship with us. I can't hardly wait for that. I was so impressed with them. But we would try to get away from all the filth. And one night I was on the lower deck and you could hear what was going on on the upper deck. But I was on the the lower deck of this hunt camp and I was getting all my Hunting equipment ready for the next day. And I could hear them up there, 10, 12, 15 of them. And they were blaspheming. And they were cursing God. And they were using vulgarity. And and it was just the most unbelievable filth. And I wanted to run, but I needed to get my, my hunting stuff ready for the next day. And so I thought, well, what I'll do is I'll pray. I'll just, the whole time I'm doing this, I'll pray. And so I can hear them. But I started praying, Lord, I love you. Lord Jesus, I thank you. And I could hear them. And then I started praying like this. I said, Lord, you know how much I hate that. You know how much I hate what they're saying. You know how disgusted I am at that filthy language. You you know how perverted I think that is. It makes me sick to my stomach. I'm nauseating. I I said, Lord, I just want you to know, and I started saying this out loud, Lord, I hate what they're doing. I hate what they're doing. I hate what they're doing. I remembered a passage in the book of Psalms where David said that he was grieved in his heart by those. Who were opposing his God. And that's how I felt. I felt grieved. And I said, God, I hate what they're doing. And I I don't know how to explain this, but somehow that made me feel better. I felt better. I felt like, okay, this is good. I felt like God was pleased with me because I was telling Him how much I hated what they were doing. Oh, friends, we can get so far off base sometimes. And the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. And this is what the Holy Spirit said to me. I'll be pleased with you when you hate your sins as much as you hate their sins. The Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said, I will be pleased with you when your sins scare you to death. When they horrify you. That's when I'll be pleased with you. I felt like I'd been kicked in the teeth. The Holy Spirit will play hardball with you sometime. Man! Man! Friends, let me tell you, I've been meditating on that ever since that happened. I've been thinking about what the Spirit of the Lord said to me, and this is my conclusion. My conclusion is this, and that is, you can't have the fear of God on one hand, and a casual relationship with sin on the other hand. That won't we'll go together. See, if you have the fear of God in your heart, then I'm telling you today... That you can't have a casual relationship with sin. Every sin. Every little sin. Every seemingly insignificant sin will become exceedingly sinful in your eyes. It'll break your heart. It'll horrify you. It'll put you on your knees. It'll have you praying for the blood of the Lamb to forgive you. You'll want to get it out of your life. You'll be crying out for a Savior to help you get it out of your life. Fear God. Fear the wrath of God. Now, I know that may sound like a foreign language to some of you. You've never heard preaching like this. By the way, all the folks my age have, haven't we? Say amen. We remember a day when people used to preach this. But not much anymore. It may sound like a foreign language to you, but I want you to hold on just a second. And that is, there's something real beautiful about the fear of God. Something beautiful. Something glorious. See, the Bible says, three different times the Bible says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. When you fear God, you're just beginning to learn how to walk with Him. You're just beginning. Let me tell you what's so beautiful about the fear of God. When you really and truly and genuinely start fearing God, when you fear Him, When you see His holiness, and by the way, I don't think it's possible to even do this apart from the help of the Holy Spirit. But when you ask the Holy Spirit and you begin to move into a relationship with Him where you fear Him, like the Bible teaches us to fear Him. Here's the beauty of it, friends. When that begins to happen in your life, you don't ever have to fear anything or anybody else in this whole world. You don't have to fear anything else. Listen, you don't have to fear what the economy's doing. You don't have to fear who's going to be in the White House. You don't have to fear death. You don't have to fear terrorism. You don't have to fear anything when you fear God. See, see you and I, we can, we can make up our minds. We have a choice. We can spend the rest of our lives fearing anything and everything in this world. Or we can fear God and lose our fear for everything and that's exactly what we should do. I'll close with this. The Bible says Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. We talk about Jesus being a Savior. We, I, I tell people all the time, He saved me. We talk about Him saving us. But I've got a question for you today. What did He come to save us from? What did He come to save us from? If I took a microphone and walked around in this congregation and went to each and every one of you, what did Jesus come to save us from? What would your answer be? Well, some of you might say He came to save us from ourselves. He came to save us from our old fallen Adamic nature. That would be correct. You might say He came to save us from sin. And you'd be correct. You, 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 and praise God for it. You might say He came to save us from hell. And that would, that would be true. Praise God. But I can tell you, none of these capture the heart of why Jesus really came into the world and what He came to save us from. If you never hear anything else I say today, if you can't remember anything else I say today, remember this. This is what Jesus came to save us from. Jesus came to save us from God. He came to save us from God. He came to save us from the wrath of God. He came to save us from a day of judgment which God will bring upon the whole world. Now don't be confused by that. It was God Himself who sent His Son into the world to save us from Himself. It was God who sent His Son into the world to save us from a day when His righteous judgment and His righteous wrath would fall upon the whole world. You see, friends, God is pure and holy. He is perfectly just. And because He's perfectly just, He has to judge sin. He would cease to be a holy God if He didn't, ju- if he didn't judge sin. And God, knowing That there would be a day of judgment, a day of His righteous wrath falling on the world. He sent His Son into the world to save us from His wrath. By the way, let me help you out with some theology today. You need to hear this. I think we've forgotten this in this day and time. Did you know that God does not forgive sin? God doesn't forgive sin. God's never forgiven a sin. In the history of the world, He's never forgiven a sin. And God in the history of the world, no matter how long it lasts, He will never forgive one sin. God never forgives sin. God forgives sinners. He forgives sinners. He's provided atonement for sinners to be forgiven, but God doesn't forgive sin. Dr. Adrian Rogers used to put it this way, every sin must be pardoned in Jesus or punished in hell. There's no in between. Sin is dangerous. It is deadly. And one day it will bring forth the wrath of God. So today, friends, you and I, all of us, We need to flee from the wrath to come. And the way we do that, there's only one way to do that. All you have to do is just read your Bible. The way we do that is we have to run to Jesus. We have to run to the one and only perfect, holy sacrifice for sins. Jesus is the only way that we can be saved. Let me give you some scriptures. Boy, I hope you'll hold on to these. Romans five nine. Much more than having now been justified by His what? We shall be saved from what? Wrath through Him. See, Jesus came to shed His blood to save us from the wrath of God. 1 Thessalonians 1.10 says that we as Christians are to wait for His Son from heaven whom He raised from the dead. Even Jesus who delivers us from the what wrath to come? Jesus came to, to save us from the wrath of God. And, and then my favorite one is this next one, 1 Thessalonians 5 9 through 11. It says, And every child of God, everybody here who you know that you know that you know that you're saved, you should rejoice with me on this. For God did not appoint us to. Oh, child of God, you're not appointed to wrath. But to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. And then it says, and by the way, I hope that's what I'm doing with you right now, because as frightening as the wrath of God is, we can comfort one another with with these words. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you also are now doing. See, if you've been saved, born again, then Jesus took your place. Jesus paid your sin debt. You are not appointed to wrath. You've been appointed to salvation. I was guilty with nothing to say. And they were coming to take me away. But then a voice from heaven was heard that said, Let him go. Take me instead. I should have been crucified. I should have suffered and died. I should have hung on the cross in disgrace. But Jesus, God's Son, took my place. Oh, Child of God, He took our place. He took our place. Today, I sound the alarm. Today, I put forth a warning. Today, I cry out to every person in this house. Flee from the wrath to come. And the way you flee from the wrath to come is you turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you put your faith in Him. I'm not a good singer, but I love the songs of old. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When He shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in Him be found, dressed in His righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand. Oh, I sound the alarm. I put forth the warning. I cry out to you, friends, Flee from the wrath to come. And the way you do that, is so blessed, so wonderful, so glorious, so magnificent, you can hardly believe it. Is you run to the Lord Jesus Christ and
0: you put your faith in him. Would you bow with me and pray? Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850 926 1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.